Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This show contains mature content and adult themes. It may not be suitable for young audiences. In 2017, Harvey Weinstein was outed as a serial sexual abuser. Many brave women came forward and told their stories. They exposed one of Hollywood's most powerful moguls as a vicious sexual predator who operated horrifically and seemingly without consequences. But Weinstein was standing on the shoulders of monsters. For so many years, those monsters remained unchecked in Hollywood, shielded by the millions of dollars they made for their studios. Sex for fame is not new. In fact, it's as old as Hollywood itself. Today, we'll look at the career of Henry Wilson, the Hollywood agent who specialized in spotting young actors with star potential. He would wine and dine them, and then, if they wanted stardom badly enough, he would take them home to bed. Legend has it that Henry Wilson used the promise of fame to lure dozens of handsome young men onto his casting couch. He made stars of more than a few and created a whole new genre of male eye candy that came to be called beefcake. Henry's legend faded after he died, but recently he was given another 15 minutes of fame in Ryan Murphy's Netflix series, Hollywood. Jim Parsons won an Emmy nomination for his highly fictionalized portrayal of Henry Wilson and his discovery and sexual coercion of Rock Hudson. In today's episode of Variety Confidential, we'll open Variety's archives to separate fact from fiction about Henry Wilson, a deeply closeted, sexually abusive agent and star maker in mid-century Hollywood. From Variety and iHeart Podcasts, I'm Tracy Patton. This is The Secret History of the Casting Couch. Today's episode, Closet Monster, the man who invented beefcake. And with me today is Matt Donnelly, Variety's senior entertainment and media writer. Welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. 
And it's great to have you here to get your Hollywood perspective and insights. You know the cliche of there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's particularly true in terms of the methods and the mechanics of the casting couch. You know, For instance, there's a term we use in journalism, catch and kill. It's become so prominent in the past few years that that was actually the title of Ronan Farrow's book about sexual predators in the entertainment industry. What it basically means is, is that a power broker will trade the cover-up of one piece of very salacious information by trading another incredibly salacious piece of information. In this Henry Wilson saga, Catch and Kill has an especially sort of odious place in his career. He practically patented a technique to do this nearly three quarters of a century ago. Indeed. And for those unfamiliar, Henry Wilson was a talent agent and manager who worked in Hollywood from the 1930s to the 60s. Wilson had scored big as an agent with stars like Lana Turner and Tab Hunter. But Rock Hudson was the jewel in his management crown. He couldn't afford a whiff of scandal to damage the luster of this major leading man. There was a problem, however. Rock Hudson's homosexuality. Inevitably, stories about Hudson's gay trysts surfaced and Confidential Magazine was eager to expose Rock's gay relationships. So Henry Wilson swung into action with Catch and Kill, and he sacrificed the careers of lesser stars or those who had parted ways with him. Among the victims were Tab Hunter, who had severed his business ties with Wilson and his important but more expendable TV star, Rory Calhoun. Wilson leaked Calhoun's criminal record to Confidential Magazine, and he provided proof that Hunter had been caught at a gay party. Rock Hudson's secret remained safe thanks to Wilson's methods, but these two other actors saw their careers hugely damaged by his catch-and-kill methods. Well, let's dive in. Tell me about Henry's early life. Yes, he was born in 1911 in Lansdowne, Pennsylvania, outside Philadelphia. His father was Horace Wilson, vice president of the Columbia Phonograph Company, a precursor to Columbia Records. So they were pretty well off. Yes, they were. Wealthy enough to send him to boarding school and then to Wesleyan University in Connecticut. And then after college, he went to work writing gossip items for Variety in New York. He got a byline on some of them, which was good for a kid right out of college. He moved to Hollywood in 1933 and found work writing for Photoplay, The Hollywood Reporter, and New Movie Magazine. In 1934, that experience led to work as a talent agent for a small firm in Beverly Hills. He was 24 then, and his job was to find young talent. Oh, it's a little embarrassing you worked at Variety. but <laughs> That's a pretty good entry-level job, though, so which obviously would give him some visibility in the industry. Yeah, he apparently did very well. Variety announced two years later that Henry had been hired by the Zeppo Marx Agency. Before he opened the agency, Zeppo had been the fourth brother in the world-famous Marx Brothers comedy act, along with Groucho, Chico, and Harpo. Zeppo got tired of playing the straight man to his brother's zany antics. He quit the act in 1933 and opened what became a successful talent agency. But his next job was even more prestigious, wasn't it? He went to work for David O. Zelznick. Yes, from Variety again on June 30th, 1943. Henry Wilson had joined Vanguard Films, Selznick's new production company, as head of the talent division. Selznick had produced some of the biggest movies in Hollywood history, the original King Kong in 1933, the original A Star is Born in 1937, and Gone with the Wind in 1939, one of the highest-grossing movies of all time. Not bad. Yeah. 
but he was infamous for his out-of-control spending and his compulsive gambling. By April 1949, Vanguard was underwater. Selznick closed it that spring and auctioned its assets for $500,000. Henry went to work in new talent development for the famous Artists Agency, one of the top agencies in town. Later, he handled new talent for worldwide management. He also operated several independent agencies over the years. So Henry made quite a name for himself as an aggressive agent. He was incredibly committed to his clients. Is that right? Yes, it is. And he seems to have insinuated himself into their lives. He became their friend, the parent, the protector, and in many cases, their lover. And by the way, some of them became huge stars. I mean, it doesn't get bigger than Lana Turner, Rock Hudson, or Natalie Wood. Absolutely. Henry was Lana Turner's first agent. She was Judy Turner, a student at Hollywood High School, when she was signed by the Zeppo Marks Agency and assigned to Henry. After a makeover, her name was changed from Judy to Lana. The camera loved her, and Henry easily found walk-on roles for her. But none of those small, non-speaking parts resulted in a contract. Eventually, a producer at Fox told Henry, she can't act. Henry said, I didn't say she could act. I said she could be a movie star. (laughs) And that summed up his approach. The acting can be added later, he would say. Henry knew that sex appeal was often more important on screen than acting ability. He also knew that that was true only up to a point. To achieve stardom, young actors would have to study acting, which is what Lana Turner did. After she learned the ropes, MGM put her under contract. She appeared in more than 50 movies over the years, almost always in the starring role. Many of them were hits, like The Postman Always Rings Twice in 1946 and Imitation of Life in 1959. She was nominated for Best Actress for Peyton Place in 1957. Natalie Wood was 12 years old when Henry became her agent. She already appeared in a dozen movies by then. Her breakthrough was at age nine in Miracle on 34th Street. Eventually, Henry helped her land the role of James Dean's love interest in Rebel Without a Cause. Natalie Wood appeared in 25 movies after that. They included hits like All the Fine Young Cannibals in 1960, Splendor in the Grass in 1961, the original West Side Story in 1961, Gypsy in 1962, and others. Now, Henry's first important discoveries as an agent were two men who later made it really big on television. And before Henry renamed them, they were Robert Mosley Jr. and Frank McCown. Afterward, they became famous as Guy Madison and Rory Calhoun. Both men were muscular and beefy and incredibly good-looking. Guy Madison was photographed shirtless dozens of times. A gossip columnist coined a new term for Guy's physique photos. He called them beefcake. Guy and Rory were inexperienced in acting but loaded with sex appeal. In both cases, the acting did come later. Both men had successful careers in television in the 1950s. Guy Madison starred in Wild Bill Hickok from 1951 to 1958 and Rory Calhoun in The Texan in the late 1950s. Henry Wilson had a run of good luck placing his clients as leads in television series. Along with Guy and Rory, 
Henry represented Guy Williams, who starred in Zorro. Don Durant starred in Johnny Ringo. Nick Adams in The Rebel and Craig Stevens in Peter Gunn. So two of Henry's later discoveries were both blondes who became teen idols in the 1950s and 60s. He discovered Troy Donahue, formerly Merrill Johnson Jr., in the 50s, and he signed Tab Hunter, formerly Arthur Galeen, in 1949. And Troy Donahue had a surfer boy look that made him a teen heartthrob in the early 1960s. In 1959, he appeared in Imitation of Life with Lana Turner and A Summer Place. In 1962, he starred in Rome Adventure with Suzanne Plachette, who he later married briefly, and he appeared in Palm Springs Weekend with Connie Stevens. Tab Hunter had acted in high school plays but had no acting ambition until he was discovered. In his case, the acting followed fairly quickly. He eventually appeared in more than 50 movies, often in lead roles. And then in 1957, he became a teen idol with the release of Young Love, a number one pop hit in both the U.S. and U.K. Other hits followed. Tab Hunter hosted his own television show in 1960 and 61. He returned to movies in 1984 when he appeared in John Waters' Lust in the Dust, playing opposite a fearless drag performer called Divine. And yet, Henry's biggest discovery was, of course, Rock Hudson. Yes. Rock said later, it was September 1947. I don't think anything important ever happened to me until I walked into Wilson's office that day. His name was Roy Fitzgerald before Henry gave him a makeover. He had exceptional good looks and, like the others, no acting experience or natural talent. But Henry believed in him. He spent thousands of dollars on turning the former truck driver into a movie star. He paid for acting and vocal lessons and capped Rock's teeth. He also paid for Rock's room and board and bought him a whole new wardrobe. But Rock's first big audition was a disaster. The casting director at MGM and Henry were friendly. She told him she couldn't cast Rock because he was too effeminate. Henry taught him how to be butch, how to smile, how to walk, cross his legs, even how to smoke a cigarette. When he was done, Henry Wilson really had invented Rock Hudson. But with Rock, the acting part really did come later. Yes, yes. At first, Rock was cast in a series of adventure films, cowboy pictures, and war movies. And then he had a major breakthrough in 1954 with the melodrama Magnificent Obsession. That movie made him a bona fide star, but it was his role in the 1956 epic Giant with Elizabeth Taylor and James Dean that made him an A-list movie star. Both Rock and James Dean got Oscar nominations that year for Best Actor, and the AP named Rock number one at the box office that year. And later, he made romantic comedies co-starring Doris Day that were big hits. He moved to television in the 1970s and became the highest-paid actor in TV, starring with Susan St. James in Macmillan and Wife, which ran from 1971 to 1977. In 1984, he joined the cast of Dynasty. He began to drink heavily again and then quit altogether when he was diagnosed with HIV. So Henry had many other clients, and arguably he had sex with most of them. Like almost all casting couch abuse back in the day, Henry's went unreported. He was never held accountable. Yeah, and it was complicated by the fact that he was deeply closeted, like all gay people were back then. But it is possible that Henry's sexuality and his casting couch abuses were an open secret in Hollywood. The powerful men who depended on him for a steady supply of fresh talent had good reason to protect him. And of course, many of them had casting couch abuses of their own. 
But that dynamic changed after 1958, when Rock's wife, Phyllis Gates, hired a private eye to bug their home above the Sunset Strip. She planned to use the recording as leverage in their divorce. So three years earlier, rumors about Rock's sexuality had put his career at risk and Henry sprung into action. He convinced Rock to marry Phyllis, the secretary in Henry's office, and that wedding took place in November 1955 at the Santa Barbara Biltmore Hotel. Yeah, and it probably seemed like a brilliant plan at the time. But the strategy quickly fell apart. In the aftermath of the divorce, Henry's sexuality was exposed. He became radioactive to his most important prospective new clients, handsome young men. A new actor hoping for stardom could not afford to be associated with homosexuality. Without a robust clientele of new potential stars, Henry's value to the industry slowly evaporated. So Phyllis's recording may have well brought him down, right? Yes. By 1958, Phyllis could no longer tolerate Rock's addiction to gay hookups. He was putting his career and their movie star lifestyle at risk. So she decided to sue for divorce. Phyllis knew she needed leverage. Otherwise, it was her word against theirs. Uh, she said, he said. She hired legendary Hollywood private investigator Fred Otash to bug their house. Although the transcript was not made public until 1976, it is likely that word got out that Rock had admitted on the tape that he'd slept with Henry to help his career. Phyllis got almost everything she wanted in the divorce, so there was no public expose of Rock Hudson's sexuality or his sham marriage. The majority of his fans never knew any of it, and it didn't affect his career. Inside the industry, it was a different story. The scandal led to a gradual erosion of Henry's value to producers. It tainted his agency's reputation and exposed his male clients, past and present, to accusations of homosexuality. It gradually reduced Henry's access to new talent and drove prospective new clients to other agencies. Troy Donahue said that he didn't sign with Henry until after he was under contract with Universal. Henry was still very well connected in Hollywood, he said. But I didn't want to be indebted to him. He had this reputation. So there are very few first-hand accounts of Henry Wilson's casting couch abuses, which is true in most cases before the Me Too movement. But Tab Hunter wrote about Henry in his autobiography, Tab Hunter Confidential. The book was published in 2005, the same year he came out as gay. In the book, Tab wrote about his time as Henry's client and described Henry's casting couch tactics. He said Henry's routine was to wine and dine young men, his prospective clients, at A-list night spots like Chasen's, Ciro's, or the Macombo. After dinner and drinks, he would make a pass. If the guy was unreceptive to his advances, Henry would get out of it by saying, come on, you know I was only joking. But if the young actor was receptive, they would adjourn to Henry's house. Tab wrote, that's how Henry earned his less-than-sterling reputation as Hollywood's lecherous gay Svengali. I wasn't comfortable with his sexual shenanigans, he said. But I did play along up to a point. Henry had a magnetic personality, but it certainly wasn't strong enough to lure me onto the casting couch. I knew exactly where my line was drawn. Late in his life, Troy Donahue denied rumors that he was gay— he blamed them on the fact that he and Tab Hunter looked similar and had similar names. 
He said, people confused me with Tab Hunter. His being gay created problems for me, and that's where the story started. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. And neither Guy Madison nor Rory Calhoun ever commented on whether Henry demanded sex from them, but Rory did accept Henry's invitation to spend two weeks with him in a cabin in the San Gabriel Mountains. And there were rumors about them back then, but they both had active romantic lives with women. Well, there were straight actors who slept with Henry. Dennis Hopper, who was not Henry's client, said that wannabe actors, both gay and straight, had sex with Henry, hoping for a chance at stardom. Yeah, and Henry's assistant confirmed that. He said, Henry had gay clients who did not sleep with him and heterosexual clients who did. And I thought this was interesting. Henry advised his straight clients to sleep with male producers and directors. He said, it will take you longer if you don't. If they objected, Henry would tell them, you're an actor. So act. (laughs) You know, Tony Curtis, who was also not Henry's client, said, The whole town knew what Henry Wilson represented. Everybody who went with him had to sexually express himself to Henry. I'm putting it nicely. With Henry, it was almost mandatory. And Roddy McDowell, the British actor, who also was not a client, was disgusted by Henry's casting couch tactics. I often think what would have happened if I signed with him, McDowell said. Farley Granger, who came out as bisexual in 2007, agreed. It was awful what he made his clients do, men like Rock. And young actors weren't the only victims of Wilson's callous approach to career management. Before he was the beefcake king, Wilson biographer Bob Hoffler notes that Wilson served as a virtual pimp for studio bigwig Daryl Zanuck and played a role in trying, unsuccessfully as it turns out, to recruit young actresses to Zanuck's casting couch. During the shooting of 1944's romantic drama Since You Went Away, Selznick tried to bed all three headliners, Claudette Colbert, Jennifer Jones, whom he would later wed, and even Shirley Temple. But Wilson's efforts weren't enough to procure their sexual favors for his lecherous boss. You know, abuse, especially sexual abuse, often takes a toll on the victims in the form of alcoholism or drug use. You know, for gay people living in the closet back then, there was also potential for psychological damage caused by stress from fear and rejection. Yeah, and Henry Wilson was both a product of his time and a promoter of a toxic system that he profited from. One could speculate it destroyed him, along with the many gay people whose lives were damaged by being forced to live in the closet. He won't be gay when I get through with him is a famous Wilson quote that says it all. Tab Hunter, who claimed he fended off Henry's advances, was a social drinker. He didn't mention experiencing alcoholism or drug abuse in his book. On the other hand, Troy Donahue, who denied he was gay, succumbed to alcohol and drug abuse. He did get sober in 1982 when he was 46 and lived another 19 years. Rock Hudson was a heavy drinker and smoker. After a heart attack in 1981, he cut his 15 drinks per night to two, but only for a while. He began to drink heavily again and then quit altogether when he was diagnosed with HIV. Henry Wilson did abuse drugs and alcohol. His substance abuse problems became worse after the Rock Hudson scandal affected his business. He continued working into his 60s, but his business failed in the end. Eventually, Henry Wilson lost it all. He'd spent everything he'd ever made. In 1974, with his health failing, he moved into the motion picture and television country house and hospital. He died there on November 2, 1978, from cirrhosis of the liver. He was 67 years old. So, Matt, after hearing all of this, what have you learned about Henry Wilson that you might not have thought about before? Well, first of all, thank God he's not working now. (laughs) 
is all I can say. Um, but no, honestly, I, I think it's an incredibly sad story. And I, I also think that what's really you know worthy about telling a story like Henry Wilson's is that we see that victims come in all shapes and sizes. And there are probably a lot of young men whose careers and hopes and identities were dashed because of this sort of predation and also playing on their worst fears. It's, uh, it's just a really yet another incredibly dark chapter in, in the history of this town. Yeah. And as we said at the top, a lot of people know Henry Wilson because they watched Ryan Murphy's Hollywood series on Netflix. But first, for those who haven't seen the series, Matt, can you give us a gist of the plot? Sure. So Ryan Murphy cast Jim Parsons, you know, the beloved star of The Big Bang Theory, to play Wilson in, I think, a pretty brave role as this sort of lecherous, you know, all the things that we just heard Henry Wilson was, Jim sort of embodied. And we saw laid bare the horrible practices he used to manipulate, control, and ultimately bully promising young men in this town um, to fit his sexual predation, to sort of abuse, and to also profit from. And, you know, what's so interesting to me about Ryan Murphy's series is he has said this, that he created a what-if scenario. So people who don't know the real history of what it really was like back then, this is a fantasy of what could life have been like if gay men were allowed to walk the red carpet, right, Definitely. as a couple, and if a black gay man could be the writer of a series. Sure, be under contract at a major studio. Yeah, it, it is, it is a, it's a sort of a wonderful, but again, pure fantasy in that way, especially for the time period it's set in. Um, but I, I, I'm glad that the one thing Ryan Murphy preserved, though, you know, before sort of letting it drift off into, like, as you said, what if, was immortalizing and being very factual about someone like Henry Wilson and how he absolutely sort of destroyed a lot of young men that came into his path. And so much of it, I think, too, when, when you watch the series and even hearing about Henry's life, comes from a self-loathing, which I think is common in closeted gay men, too. But it's a real, his real self-loathing, like not even being able to stomach himself and projecting that onto hopefuls in Hollywood has just been terrible. I mean, he really was, Henry Wilson really was the ultimate in the casting couch yeah. of that era. I mean, he really was such an integral part. And so many people have never heard of him, including Jim Parsons, did not know who he was before he got the role. Yeah. And also, what do you think about Ryan Murphy combining the fact and fiction, calling it faction? I think that's pretty interesting. It is. I mean, I, I think that for younger audiences, which, you know, Ryan Murphy tends to attract, that it's a good way to reframe history and to maybe give it a little bit more positive a spin. I don't know that it ultimately serves anyone at the end, not telling the truth about how these things pan out. For instance, I didn't know Henry Wilson was buried in an unmarked grave, but in a way, I think it's a very fitting end for someone who perpetrated such crazy crimes and um, and also was just such a scourge on exactly. so many young men's lives. Like, that to me is poetic justice. But, you know, Ryan Murphy is going to do what Ryan Murphy's going to do. But <laughs> at, least, at least he's surfacing in these conversations, which I think are really important to have. And I think so, because I do think young spring chickens like you no, please. <laughs> will look at this and think about what it was like for somebody like Rock Hudson. Mm-hmm. And it really gives you that. You really get a sense of the struggle, even though— Ryan Murphy made it all kind of work out in Mm -hmm. many ways. I think it opens, just like me too, it opens people's eyes to the struggles. Absolutely. And I think it ultimately makes you question, like, what is worth it? What is stardom really worth it at the end of the day for what people have to give away for it? And that 
is a whole other conversation. I wish we had an hour because (laughs) I find that super fascinating. What lengths would people go to become successful in Hollywood? Because it's so competitive, you're kind of forced to go to great lengths, we'll say, to find success and get an opportunity and get the audition and all those things. Not to sound super academic, but I think the rules of of stardom have changed a bit. I think a lot more of it now is about sort of how much you're personally willing to exploit yourself. You know, if you think about the role of reality television, of social media, it's sort of about how far you're willing to go to sort of carve out a personality um, on your own terms, maybe not at the behest of somebody else. I think that, you know, many people have said and keep saying that the movie star is a dying concept. But in this context, in the architecture of this town, this is the era we're talking about, I I don't know if it's worth it. I think some people would say it was. I'm sure Rock, you know, Rock had one of the most incredible Hollywood careers I think anyone's had, but look at what what cost it came at. I wonder what Rock would say today. I do too. I hope he would uh I hope he would say fire my agent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I think that's a great place to end our episode today. Thank you, Matt Donnelly, so My much. Thank you for having me. Thank you again to Matt Donnelly, Variety's senior entertainment and media writer, for joining us. We'll be back next time with another episode in the six-part series, The Secret History of the Casting Couch. From Variety Confidential, this has been Couch Monster, the man who invented beefcake. For Variety and iHeart Podcasts, I'm Tracy Patton. Variety Confidential is a production of Variety Content Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It was produced by Sidney Kramer, John Ponder, and Tracy Patton, and written by Stephen Gatos with John Ponder and Tracy Patton. Research by John Ponder and Tracy Patton with Karen Mizoguchi. Executive producers are Dea Lawrence and Stephen Gatos. Variety Confidential is recorded, edited, and mixed at The Invisible Studios, West Hollywood. Recording engineer, editor, and mixer, Charles Carroll. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.